So last week, we talked about men and uh, had several women tell me last week that they wouldn't be coming back this week. And, and their husband said, actually, you are. Because if I had to sit through that, you got to go sit through it. And so I was trying to think about the best way to open this sermon. And I found a story. Now, this is an older story. You may have heard it. But, you know, I mean, listen, I do this every week, like 52 times a year. So if you've heard this story, laugh like you hadn't heard it, all right? But there was a guy, and uh, he heard that women were having a hard time finding a good man. So he went to New York City, and he opened up the husband store. Now, ladies, there's some rules to the husband store. You could go there and get a husband, and uh, there's six floors. And once you go to, like if you're on floor one and you go to floor two, you can't go back to floor one. No surveying the merchandise. Once you leave a floor, you can't go back. That's the rule at the husband store. So a lady decided, you know what, I'm, and there's nothing around here, so I'm, I'm going to New York, I'm going to find me a husband. And she got off on the first floor, and there was a sign that said, these men have jobs. And she thought, that's pretty awesome because the last few guys I went out with lived in their mom's basement. And so, but she said, you know, if this is the first floor, I mean, you just don't want to just take the first thing you get. So she decided to go to the second floor, and the second floor said, these men have jobs and they love kids. And she thought, well, that's kind of cool. They love kids. I mean, some, some, some dads are pulling up in their driveway and they're like, here comes people that I gave birth to. I hope they don't speak to me. Like that's, that's so, so if they love kids, that's a plus. Got to the, she said, but this isn't my floor. This, maybe I'm going to go to the third floor. She gets to the third floor and there's a sign there. So these men have jobs, love kids, and are extremely good looking. She's like, whoa, I ain't thought about that. That's pretty cool. That's awesome. That's, that's like, that's major, but ugh. Wonder what those, so the fourth floor. She said, I got to go to the fourth floor. These men have jobs, love kids, are extremely good looking and love to do the housework. And she was like, this might be my man. I mean, I, I can't think of anything else. This is, because by the way, men, isn't it fun to help out with the housework? Because when you load the dishwasher, she's going to come and redo the dishes anyway. So if you love to do housework, good on you. I'm, I'm happy for you. But she said, I just can't seem to, what's on the fifth floor? So she gets to the fifth floor. These men have jobs, love kids, are extremely good looking. They love to help with the housework, and they have a strong romantic streak. She said, this is, this is heaven. But I got to go to that sixth floor. I, I got to check out. I got to go to that sixth floor. I got to see what's on the sixth floor. And when she got there, there was a sign. And this is this what the sign read. You are visitor number 31,456,012 to this floor. There are no men on this floor. This floor solely exists to prove that women are impossible to please. <laughs> now, he didn't want to be, he didn't want to be, you know, picked on or told, you know, you don't care about both genders. So he went across the street and opened a, a wife store. Husband, you, or men, you can go there and shop for a wife. And there's six floors, once again, and once you visit one floor, you can't go back down. And so man decided, I'm going to go look for a wife. So he gets on the first floor and it said, this, these women have a lot of money. He was like, whoa, that's pretty, pretty sweet deal right there. But I got to see what's on that second floor. He gets to the second floor and said, these women have a lot of money and they never say no to sex. <laughs> floors three through six have never been visited. That's, uh, that's, we don't know. We don't know. We don't know. 
There, there's clearly differences between men and women. It's, it's amazing to me how politicized the conversation has become when a simple Google search, differences between men and women, is just fascinating. I'm talking bi, bi, um, biological, psychological, the way a man's brain works and the way a woman's brain works is completely different. The way we feel about things, the way we see things, it's way more than just the, the parts of, of the body. And so what I wanted to do today is I wanted to kind of go into what is a woman, three things, three things out of God's word that I hope, because let me tell you my my prayer before I even get started. This is what I prayed all week. I'm praying that every woman here and every woman watching online through the course of this message will learn to view you the way God views you, that you will see you the way that God sees you, because when that happens, you actually begin to see your value, you actually begin to see your worth, and things like shame and guilt begin to lose its hold on you. So so my hope and prayer is that you will see yourself as God sees you as we dive into this message. The first thing that I, I really believe a woman is, according to scripture, number one, is a woman is a helper. Now, this is where you get some pushback from people that don't really understand what this, I don't want to be a helper. A woman can do anything a man can do. No, you can't. No, you can't. Go look at the men's world record in the one mile and the women's world record in one mile, and it's women can't run faster than men. Go look at the woman's bench press record and the men's bench press record, and the men's is double the woman. I, it, it's not demeaning when you say that because, listen, Y'all can do some things that men can't do. And quite frankly, we don't want to. Just to let you know, I'm just going to leave it right there, okay? But when, when God made woman, he created her with a unique role because, well, let me set it up this way. God's creating the world. Genesis 1 and 2. And God's in a rhythm. And I don't know if you've ever been in a rhythm, whether you've played music or whether you've been dancing. Let's just say you've been dancing. I'm looking around the room and some of y'all probably can dance and others of y'all are probably have, have a lot of opportunity in that area, okay? But let's say you're dancing and you're in rhythm and, and you're, on the, you're on the dance floor, you're doing a line dance or whatever, and the music stops. Well, most people, except that one guy that's had too much, most people are going to stop and look and see what happened. What, why did the music stop? What changed? The reason I bring that up is because so far in Scripture, Genesis 1 and 2, God's in a rhythm. He's creating something, and he's saying, it's good. And he creates this, and he's like, it's good. And he creates this, and he's like, it's good. As God's in a rhythm. It's good. It's good. It's good. You can almost hear it. You can, seven times, seven times God said, that is good. And he's in a rhythm. And then the author of Genesis, Moses, the author of Genesis, does something that from a literary standpoint just captures our attention. He says this, then the Lord God said, it is not good. Pause, that's the first time that God said something was not good. He's on a roll, everything's good. Then he said, it's not good. God, what's not good? Well, it's not good for the man to be alone. Now, if, if you're here tonight and you're single, I, told, I said last week, you should, I don't, I'm old-fashioned. I don't think you could ask a guy out, but that's a good 
That's a good line right there. You could just, if you see a guy, you think he's hot, you just walk up to him and say, I was reading Genesis, and I don't think it's good for you to be alone. And then just leave, just walk away. Which, by the way, brings up something completely unrelated to the sermon. Well, kind of related to the sermon. Um, our offering boxes are for, like, offering. But every once in a while, we get comment cards. And uh, this week, we got a comment card. I just wanted to bring it up. It was, it was a woman's handwriting. And it said, you guys need to do events so that Christian men and Christian women can meet smiley face. And uh, obviously she's thirsty. If you don't know what that means, you can Google it or probably ask your teenager, but that, she's just thirsty. I just nicknamed her Thirsty Thelma in my mind. And, and th- I don't know who wrote it. I'm just going to tell you, Thirsty Thelma, that we, that we do something for Christian men and Christian women to meet every week. It's called church. And I know what you're thinking. Well, I, well, I'll come to church. Well, you should volunteer. You meet a lot of, oh, okay, I'll get back to the message. Okay, I'm just saying you meet, that you just meet people that way. Meet people. It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper. Now, this word in Hebrew is yat, yat. And this is where women get angry until we understand that when David writes, God is my helper in the Psalms, he uses the same Hebrew word. In other words, God's saying, I will make a helper who is just right for him. Don't you like how God does things just right? In other words, he's saying, I'm going to make someone that would help him the way I would help him. So I, I just throw out the questions is, is, is when it comes to spiritual, emotional, are, do, are, you, are, you, are you a helper? Would your husband say, yeah, she helps me. Don't answer out loud. Would, would, would he say that? Because this is God. Now, some people ask, what does this look like practically? What does it look like practically to help? Well, I'll give you, I'll give you two scenarios. And they're, they're, I could make a list here a mile long, but two ways that a woman can absolutely help a man. And because if a man tries this for another man, it just don't work. Letter A, encouragement. Now, women are naturally good at encouragement. Men, we suck. You'll never see two men in the lobby going, oh my God, your hair, dude, looks awesome. Where do you get that done? Like, we just don't have that conversation. This is the conversation between men. Haircut. That's it. That's, that's it. That's all that happens. So in, encouragement is a big deal, especially for a wife to speak life into her husband. I won't go ahead and tell y'all. Every Sunday when I get dressed and I walk into the living room, if Shannon says I look good, I don't care what any of y'all think. I don't because my wife said, you look nice. And you know what she's done to me? She has completely rearranged my Saturday night. Because on Saturday nights, we, we started having this conversation. What are you wearing to church tomorrow? Clothes. 
But what clothes? I, I need to know what you're going to wear. And I don't know because now I have an Excel spreadsheet and I keep track of everything I wear because if I wear something two weeks in a row, um, Karen's going to email in and say that you wore those jeans last week. And so I, I do have a, and I said, like, I don't know. I'll figure it out. And, and I said, probably the, like the black ripped jeans and the white shirt. And she's like, I, mean, I, would, I would just need to see it on you. I said, you will tomorrow. She said, no, tonight. I am 51 years old. I am not playing dress up on a Saturday night. I play dress up every Saturday night just because, you know why? Because I want her to tell me I look good. That's all I need. That's all I need. That is, that is encouraging. There's not a man in this room. I, another time this summer, I'm sitting on the back deck having a great day. It's beautiful outside. I am burning down a cigar. It's about halfway down. I can't believe you smoke cigars. Google me. So I'm, I'm out there with my cigar. I'm having a great time. And she texts me. She texts me this. She says, I'm on my way home from the grocery store. Can you meet me in the driveway and get the waters? Now, she's a one-tripper. I'm a one-tripper. You get it all on one trip. But I was, I was, I was having an attitude that day because I was, I was in my place enjoying my time. I didn't have time to go get any waters. I all had a tank top on and shorts I've had for 48 years. And I just, you know how it is with men, we throw nothing away. And so she pulled up and I pretended I was happy and I went out and she got the groceries and she goes in and, I, and she, she didn't tell me she had two cases of water. I'm a one tripper, so I just both cases, walk in, took my hip, boom, shut the door. And right when I turned around, she's in the kitchen, she said, babe, is there a third case of water that I missed? She said, no, 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 no. You look sexy. I said, what? She said, your muscles. I said, really? I'm just going to sit here and hold these waters for a second. You need me to put up the coffee, baby. I mean, I, I, that, that built me up. When, if she says that to me, man, I am happy. And listen, I don't need anybody else telling me I look good. She thinks I look good. It's all that matters. I'm good, right? Perfect opportunity for a man to say amen right there. I can, I, I'm setting y'all up and y'all keep pulling the Carolina. You just can't finish one, all right? So <laughs> encouragement. Now there's a flip side of encouragement. It's it's called being quarrelsome. You ever gotten a fight, like a bad fight, with your spouse? It's usually on Sunday on the way to church. Shannon and I got a bad fight last week. It was bad. It was so bad that she came crawling to me on her hands and knees. She did. She, I'm not making it up. She did. She said, I'll tell you what she said. She said, get out from under that bed. We are not finished. And so I was... That didn't happen. I just made that up. <laughs> but there, there is a, there's a, there's a, there's a person in Scripture called the, the quarrelsome wife. Now I'm just going to read some verses from a guy that knew a thing or two about a quarrelsome wife. He had 700 wives named Solomon. You imagine his Amazon bill. This is what he said: It's better to live alone in the corner of an attic than with a quarrelsome wife in a lovely home. See, this has happened all day. I don't even have to say anything. You just read the verse. 
and it gets tense. Y'all feel that tension? You go home and your husband's like, I'm going to go to the attic, baby. <laughs> Love it up there. It's amazing. Same chapter. This is what he said. I'm just, y'all, I'm just reading the Bible. It's better to live alone in the desert. <laughs> Holy crap. Alone in the desert? Alone in the desert. Then with a quarrelsome, complaining wife. Now, listen, some of y'all put scripture verses on, on the mirror. I would not recommend writing these on your wife's mirror in the morning. I'm just saying. Proverbs 27, a quarrelsome wife is like the dripping of a leaky roof in a rainstorm. <laughs> Some of y'all didn't know this was in the Bible, did you? And then he says, then he says this, he says, restraining her is like restraining the wind. You, you ever see Jim Cantore go out with a hurricane? Stop! And then, like, and then he flies, you see the reporter flying. And then this is, this is my favorite part. Or grasping oil with the hand. Got me some oil. Right? I'm just saying. That's what the Bible says. The second thing, I'll just let that ten, tension sit there for a minute. The second thing is, is trust. Is, is can he trust you? And when I say can he trust you, I'm not talking about can he tell you a secret. I'm talking about like can he can he trust you when he opens up to you? Because men, I don't know if you know this or not, but it's tough for us to just kind of open up emotionally. We're kind of guarded. We have some trust issues. So can he trust you? I'm, I'm talking about this pillow talk stay in the bedroom. Or, because I'm going to tell you something, if a man opens up emotionally and, and at some point you weaponize it and use, him, use it against him, or it becomes the subject of conversation in your next girl's night out, that's, that's going to hurt. That's going to sting, and it's going to shut him down. And at the end of the day, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, I believe God, because here's the reason I believe that God created women to be helpful, and I know this is true. You show me a great man. Notice, I didn't say a rich man. I didn't say a man who has a lot of stuff. You show me a great man, and I will show you a great woman that stood beside him his entire journey. Okay, a few people, amen. That was an awesome place to amen, but um, so we got it. So number one, a helper. Number two, I love this, uniquely designed by God. Now, some people, you might be tempted to kind of roll your eyes on this, but I want you to stay with me on this because this, when this hit me, I've preached Genesis 2, 2 and 3 for years, and I'm going to teach you guys something I've never seen in these next two points. Um, Cole and I, every Sunday before Christmas, we'll, we'll, we do a Q&A on stage. You text in your question, and it pops up on the screen. Now, we do have a filter in place because some, whoo, I mean, I don't think we should be talking about that, but... But, and we have fun, but every year, every year, this question makes it into the mix at some point. Pastor Pete, how do you feel about plastic surgery? I had, a, I had a lady email me one time. She said, I'm considering plastic surgery. What do you think? I have no idea who this person is. Now, I wanted to reply. She's like, should I... 
I'm thinking about getting plastic surgery done on my face. Should I do it? And I wanted to reply, it depends on your face. <laughs> it might be a great idea. I say that as somebody who recently, a friend came up to me and literally said this. He said, have you ever considered a facelift? I said, have you ever considered a treadmill? I mean, I just, so men, we just, we just do that. But two questions. I'm not against plastic surgery. I've had plastic surgery before. I'm, I'm all for, I almost died. It's a whole different story. I'll tell you all another time. But the, the two questions I have is, number one, do you need it? Number two, can you afford it? Because you got to start making payments on stuff, and they have to come repossess it. I mean, how do they do that? I'm, I'm going to need those back. Thank you very much. You missed four payments. Now, when I say women, are you that now? Some of y'all are like, how are you going to work the plastic surgery thing into the message? Well, ninety percent, around ninety percent of the questions I've ever gotten on plastic surgery are from women, and this is why: most women don't feel beautiful. You don't. And I, men don't understand that. Men, isn't it frustrating when you tell your wife you're beautiful? And she goes, no, I'm not. Yeah, it's frustrating. Thank you. It is. It is frustrating. You're beautiful. No, I'm not. And, and the reason women feel less beautiful today is because there's more to compete with. Like 10, 20 years ago, 20, 30 years ago, you had a few hot women on TV. Y'all remember Farrah Fawcett? I'm, a, I'm, I'm dating myself right now, but Fair Foster, remember? Charlie's Angels and all that stuff. Then magazine covers. But now, you know what you can do with a filter? And the reason a lot of women don't feel beautiful is because you're comparing your unfiltered movie reel to her filtered snapshot. And if you had six full-time people to make, you, make sure you look beautiful, I'm not even sure you'd feel it then. A lot of women, most women don't feel beautiful, don't feel special, don't feel unique, like there's nothing beautiful or unique about you. And I'm here to tell you, you're wrong. And I can tell you that based on the authority of God's word. Because God, we're going to see him do something else. He gets out of rhythm again. We see it in Genesis chapter 2, verse 21 and 22. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep, which wasn't hard. Probably put on a golf thing, a NASCAR, and everybody's turning left, and you just knocked them out. So while the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs. Don't you love that? One of the man's ribs, like close to his heart, under his arm to be protected by him, close to his side to be like loved by him. Don't you love the symbolism there? I just love the Bible. It's so rich. One of the man's ribs and closed up the opening, then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, comma, and he brought her to the man. Now, there's a couple things going on here that we got to pay attention to before we go to our next point. God's in rhythm. When he's making stuff, he's literally making it from the dirt. He reaches down, gets some dirt, dog. Reaches down, gets some dirt, cat. Whoops, reaches down, gets some dirt. Man, he made man from the dirt. That's where we get the phrase dirty old man. 
Because I just made that up. But that's what he, he made man from the dirt. But when it came time to make a woman, he was like, hmm, can't use dirt. Got to go with something different. Because this is going to be special. So he took a, a man's rib, strong bone, strong substance, and he shaped a woman from that rib. How creative is God? And then, watch this. This is what blows my mind. There's a comma, and then, and he brought her to the man. It wasn't like he made the woman and said, okay, here you go, and the man's just waking up from his nap. In fact, we don't know how much time took place between when he formed her and when he brought her to the man. I'm positive there was a conversation that took place that we're not aware of. I'm positive God said, this is who I am. This is who you are. This is why I created you. I believe with all my heart there was a conversation between God and and the woman where he identified himself. And I just want to pause and say, a lot of times I challenged the men last week, pursue God, pursue God, pursue God. I'm, I can also pause and say this, especially, I, ladies, I want you to hear me. Sometimes if you'll just stop and listen, you'll, you'll realize he's pursuing you. And the conversation that they had is mysterious. Like we don't, we don't know the details. But I'm going to prove to you in just a second they had a conversation, and we don't know. Now, some of you are like, well, why didn't he record the conversation with a woman? Recorded the conversation with a man? Well, it's pretty simple. Men are simple. We don't use as many words. Women use more words than men. So right now, if the Bible in the book of Genesis is 50 chapters, if he would have recorded the conversation with a woman, it would be 5,000 chapters, and nobody would have read the Bible because we get bogged down in this conversation. We don't know how long they talked, but they, they obviously talked, and it was mysterious. And it really is mysterious the way God will move in a woman's life. And men, husbands, listen to me. If you were willing to tell the truth, how many times have you been about to make a decision. And your wife goes, hold on, I don't feel good about that. Why? I don't know. And she's right. Most of the time, she's right. I, I just think it's awesome how Men, we, we can't make really great, awesome, life-changing decisions without the input of a woman. That's why it's not good for us to be alone. And so this, this mysterious conversation takes place, which leads to the third word. We've got to talk about the B word. A blessing. What were y'all thinking? Dear God. Okay, I'm, I mean, this is a blessing. I've asked this question all day. It's created some tension. Ladies, of married, married ladies, if your husband could say two words to God on the way home this evening about you, would he say thank you or why me? 
say, thank you, baby. Just so you know. I said, do it. Once you know, I said that all the services. It's, it's amazing when you truly see. Now, what I'm about to show you, I've never taught because I've never seen. What a blessing a woman who's connected to God. But basically, what a, what a blessing a woman is, period. Do you get a woman that's connected with God? Watch what happens. This is, now, this is crazy. The serpent, this is Satan, was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. Now, let me pause. Satan didn't show up until after the marriage. I meet couples all the time. They're dating. Oh, we so happy. We don't even fight. I'm like, yeah, y'all need to go fight. Y'all got to figure out how to fight before you get married. Because once you get married, you're going to fight about everything. Marriage does not solve things. It magnifies things. So Satan shows up, and one day he asked the woman, "Did, did God, I mean Eve, did God really say Let me pause. I didn't say this this morning, but this is why our society is so screwed up. You look at all the things that we're fighting over, and it all can be tracked back to this, did God really say? Did he, did he really say it? See, if he can get us to question his word, if we question his word, we'll question his will. And we'll turn our back on him so fast. But it starts with a question. Did God really say? Did God really say? You must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden. Now, he's smart. He's setting her up. Trying to have a conversation with the enemy. That's, a, that's another problem. We, like when the devil starts messing with our mind, we need to shut that conversation down. Because I know what it's like to let this be the devil's playground, right? Of don't you love her? Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. Duh. But it's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden we are not allowed to eat. God said, quote, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. Pretty extreme, but very clear, right? Now, here's the thing that blows my mind. I, I've thought and taught for years that Eve, by saying, you should not even touch it, that she's adding to God's word. She's adding to God's word, that God didn't actually say this because it's not recorded in Genesis 1 or Genesis 2. But if God didn't say this and Eve said that he did say it, this would be what we call a lie. Lying would be a sin. This would have been the first sin that was committed. But this was not a sin because evidently God had communicated it to Eve. And just, just because it's not written in Genesis 1 and 2 doesn't mean that God didn't say it to the woman. Obviously, he went into more detail with Eve. He told Adam, don't eat fruit from that tree. He told Eve, don't eat fruit, don't look at it, don't touch it, don't think about it. Don't draw trees, don't draw pictures of it. Don't just, just don't, I mean, he just went into all kinds of details. So he's not adding to God's word here. He's saying, no, I know God's word. God said, don't eat it. Don't touch it. Because if you do, you will die. I mean, Eve, come on. He's a loving, merciful God. 
you're not going to die. That's insane. Got to think it. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it. I'm pretty sure your eyes were open then. And you'll be like God, knowing both good and evil. In other words, Eve, God's holding out on you. You'll just do what he told you not to do. Your life will be awesome. And so then Eve, watch this. The woman, the woman, the woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful. And its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it too. I've had people ask me, Pastor P, why did the man eat the fruit? My answer is always the same. Naked woman with fruit can make a man do anything she wants him to do. Yeah, I knew I'd get an amen on that one. Isn't this crazy? So, so she ate the fruit, but the man stood by and watched the whole thing happen. He just stood there. Adam, what you doing? Watching my wife. What's she doing? Talking to a snake. I mean, it's like, What? He stands there, and it's the classic passive man. I want to get involved. I want to do anything. And he should have killed the snake, but he's just kind of watching. No, I don't want to say anything. I just being super passive. And men, we do that. We do that a lot. I didn't say you. I said we. We're passive sometimes when we need to speak up. So it's his fault too. So they they both ate it. And watch this. Watch this. At that moment, their eyes were open, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. I mean, how effective was that? They're, they're trying to hide their nakedness from each other and God. But the word that got, got me right there was shame. I've been doing ministry now. For 32 years. And I have, I have seen this do more damage to people. If Satan can get you and I to feel shame, he will shackle us to our past. And it's different for women than it is for men. You live in a double standard world, ladies. Man goes out, has sex with a bunch of women, he's a stud. Woman goes out, has sex with a bunch of men, she's a slut. And she feels shame, slut shaming, it's a, it's a thing. Man gets up after being with a woman, you're not married to one night, walks out to his car, he's got a smile on his face, or walks back to his dorm room, he's got a smile on his face, but the girl... Well, girls, y'all named it, you nicknamed it the walk of shame. I mean, it's there. And I've, I've said this all day. I just want to say this, especially to the ladies that, that walk in shame. 
Don't allow the enemy to shackle you to your past because God has an amazing future for you. I'm about to prove it to you in just a second. I know the power that shame has. Men face it too. I know the power that shame can, shame can hold us back from the plan that God has for us because we will disqualify ourselves. And there are women in this room right now because of what you did or perhaps because of what was done to you. You carry shame. And I hope you hear this tonight. If this is the only thing I, you hear, I hope you hear that you don't have to carry that anymore. Jesus paid for that. Jesus knew what you were going to do before he made you, and he made you anyway and went ahead and arranged for the payment to be made. There's no reason to allow the enemy to shackle you to your past with shame. Now watch what happens. God shows up. He's like, hey, guys, where are y'all? And they're like, we're over here. We heard you were in the garden. We're naked, so we hid. And I love this. God's like, who told you that you were naked? And this is the part I focused on all day. Who told you that? For, For those in the room or those watching online that you feel like your past disqualifies you for a future, an amazing future, who told you that? That because of what I did, I don't have any value? Who told you that? Because of what happened to me, nothing good will ever happen to me? Who told you that? That's not the voice of God. When God speaks, he's speaking life. Even when God speaks correction, it's a blessing. God's like, who who told you that you were naked, Lord God asked? Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? Now he's asking like, he knows the answer to the question. But watch what the man does. Classic man move right here. Classic. The man replied, "Hmm. I I was, listen, I'm going to tell you straight. I was doing good. And the woman, I mean, I didn't ask for her. Cost me a rib. I didn't ask for her, but she showed up and she did. He threw his wife under the bus. This is classic. Who did it? <laughs> I mean, it's, just, it's her. The, wo- the woman, you, the, and blame it on God. The woman you gave me, you, you, you said she was a gift. I'm trying to return it. God, you, you brought her into my life. You, the woman you gave me, who gave me the fruit, and I mean, I ate it. But you notice he, he, he admits what he did, but all the qualifiers, now, this is not a man sermon. We, we do that. Did you mess up? Well, I mean, I, you know, I did, but what you don't understand is I had a bad day and my childhood was awful. My dog ran away when I was seven and I hadn't gotten over it. So God turns to the woman and she does something to me that, that is, it's, it's breathtaking if you just take it in. Then the Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? Ladies, he didn't say, what have y'all done? He he said, what have you done? Now watch what she does. 
the serpent deceived me, she replied. That's why I ate it. Mind-blowing. She had the opportunity to throw her husband under the bus. And, and I would have been on her side. She could have said, well, you know, if you hadn't connected me with Mr. Weak, passive, I don't care, take a nap, Adam, then maybe this could have turned. She could have thrown him under. He should have protected me. He should have done this better. He should have done this better. And she would have been right. But this is what she does. And I don't know why. Maybe it's because of that unique relationship. But she goes, I was deceived. That's called confession. I was deceived. And I ate it. This is unbelievable. And, and listen, this is a lesson in conflict resolution. When I saw this, when, when I saw this years ago, it changed my perspective and it changed my life. I don't know, I'm just saying hypothetically, I know no couples in here ever argue, but if you know somebody that does, you can share this with them and help them out, all right? Adam and Eve are having an argument. I would argue. Now, these are my numbers, and you might disagree with my numbers, but that's fine. I would argue it's 80% Adam's fault, 20% Eve's fault. Nothing's ever 50-50. I'm going to say it was mostly Adam's fault. Eve had a part play. They both screwed it up. Adam blamed. Eve accepted what she had done. It kind of looked like this right here. The, the, the man was 80% in the wrong, and the woman was 20% in the wrong. And here, here's the beautiful part. Don't miss this. The woman owned her 20% and didn't try to fix Adam's 80%. If there's a problem and it's 20% your problem, own this and let God deal with him about this. You know the reason a lot of these problems never get solved? God can't speak to him because she won't shut up. Is that okay? I mean, is that, are we good? I mean, am I, I mean, it's like, I want God to speak to my husband. Well, honey, you're going to have to calm down. Use less words. Call a friend. I'm just saying, I, I, I've, seen a, I've seen my fair share of men who get torn down on a consistent basis. And Listen, I'm not saying that what she's saying is right or wrong. I'm just saying, if you will own your part, God will deal with him on his part. And let me tell you, let me show you how beautiful this is. And this is how we're going to land the plane. This is absolutely beautiful. God, once she confesses, steps in, sacrifices a lamb. It's the first time death entered the world. Clothed Adam and Eve with the skins from the, the animal and the blood of an innocent lamb paid for their sin, just like the blood of Jesus would pay for our sin and cover our sin. And then Adam got to name the woman. Up until this point in the story, she wasn't Eve. She was the woman. You think you got a bad name. How would you love to be known as the woman? Hey, woman, you ready? 
Try that. Let me know. In fact, I'm, let's stay on this chart for a second. Man, if you do that, you just, that, that thing's gone. You just you screwed yourself on that one, all right? But notice what Adam says about Once he sees this, and once he, this is so powerful. Watch this, ladies. Then the man, Adam, named his wife Eve. Could have named her anything. But chose to speak life and blessings over her. Because Eve literally means the mother of all who live. And she became the mother of all who live. He spoke life and blessings over his wife. Now, husbands, I just want to challenge you with this. I just want to challenge you with this. Is, and it, it, it's work. It's, it's a discipline. we got to teach ourselves to try to our best to speak life and blessings over our wives. And let me tell you why. Go to my Facebook page. Read the comment section on what's the most difficult thing about being a woman. I read those comments and couldn't identify with a thing because I'm a man. But when I was reading through those comments, I was like, my gosh, there's some women struggling with the weight of this world and unrealistic expectations and, 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 you're, and you're just fighting this fight. So when I was thinking about how to end this message, I thought, man, what if we just took a minute and spoke blessings over the women in this room. Because if you're a woman, you've, you've left church before, I'm sure, and you didn't feel blessed, you felt beat up. And so tonight, I want, I want you to know that your heavenly Father absolutely loves you and wants to bless you. So can we pray, Father? I thank you that you're a good God. You are a good father and wants good things for his children. And with heads bowed and eyes closed, ladies, if you're comfortable with this, if you're comfortable with this, because I want to pray a blessing over you, if you're comfortable with this, I would just love for you to stand up. Because I, I just want to pray a blessing. And then, and then if you're cool with it, if you just put your hands like this right here, like in a receiving position, like... And you don't have to. I'm just saying it's a, it's a posture. It's a posture thing. Like, God, I want to I receive what you, you have for me. Father, I want to pray for every woman standing in this room right now and the ones watching online. God, I want to pray for the woman here tonight whose dad walked away. She's always had this fear, God, that you were going to walk away from her. Father, I want you right now just to speak to her heart and tell her, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you and I will always be with you. I want to pray for the woman here tonight whose earthly father was always disappointed in her. God, that she would know that you are not disappointed in her. You made her, you created her, you knew everything about her and you made her anyway with a purpose and a plan. I pray that the Lord would bless you. I pray that the Lord would keep you. I pray that his face would shine upon you. 
I pray that he would answer your prayers. I pray he would confirm to you that you are unique, that you are beautiful, that you are able to walk in grace. I pray that you would know that you are not shackled to the past, but that you have an amazing future and the shackles that Satan has used to hold you would literally fall to the ground tonight and you would walk in grace and freedom because that's what your heavenly father wants for you. I pray that you would be blessed in the morning and blessed in the evening. You'd be blessed when you come and you would be blessed when you go. I pray that you would be blessed when you're asleep. I pray that you would be blessed when you're awake. I pray blessings over you that you would know that God unconditionally loves you right now as you are. the rest of the room would stand and join us in closing prayer. Father, I pray that tonight as we walk out of this place, God, we would walk out knowing that you are a good God that wants great things for his children. I thank you for the blessing of correction. I thank you for the blessing of of wisdom and, and revelation. Father, I want to pray tonight over this room for anybody that doesn't know you. With heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus. You've never asked Jesus to come in your life. You've never been saved. That whole blood of the lamb thing that I went through, couldn't identify with that because you've never asked Jesus to come in your life and be your savior. And you know that's the decision that you need to make tonight. I want you to pray. If that's what you know you want to do, you need to do, I want you to pray. And I want you to pray a prayer out loud. I'm gonna lead you in this prayer, but you're not gonna have to say it by yourself because our church family literally prays this with you every week. The church family, let's get ready to pray this with those that are praying it for the first time. If you know you need Christ tonight, just write what you're saying. Just say, Jesus Christ, I know that I'm a sinner and I need you as my Savior. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave to pay for my sin. And right now, Jesus, I receive you into my life. Come in and take over. I surrender everything to you. With hands still bowed and eyes still closed, if you just prayed that prayer, would you do me a favor? Because I want to pray with you and I want to pray for you. Would you do me a favor and just hold your hand up real high? Because I want to—I just want to see it. I want to acknowledge it. I want to pray with you and for you. Father, I want to thank you all day long that you save people. I want to thank you all day long that you changed lives. I want to thank you all day long that you changed hearts. And Father, I want to thank you. God, I just feel it that all day long you've encouraged some ladies in this church. I pray that they would walk in grace and freedom and the knowledge that you, you God, you love us as we are, but you want immeasurably more. Thank you, Jesus, for wanting great things for us. We love you and we ask this in your name. Everybody that agrees says amen and amen. Are you glad you came to church tonight? Me too. I'll see y'all next week. We'll get your hoodies. Y'all have a great week. God bless.